Perfect. <laughs> First of all, I would like to thank the opportunity uh, the church leaders are giving me to uh, have a time to pour out my heart to the church as we're going to do this morning. And uh, for those that uh, doesn't know me, my name is Pedro, Pedro Samuel. I'm uh, married to Vitorina Shimoku Samuel, <laughs> and we have been in this church uh, since uh, two la end of 2014. And by God's grace, we have been uh, edified in this place. And now God is also giving us the opportunity to serve uh, in the ministry of the word. And we give praise to him for that. Amen. So let's just bow our head and uh, pray. Heavenly Father, it is in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ that uh, we give you thanks, O oh Lord, for the privilege. And uh, I acknowledge that it is also a responsibility when we come in front of your people and uh, we preach or we proclaim your word. Lord, we know that uh, in our own power and ability, we cannot do anything. That's why we surrender our lives unto you, and we declare that our sufficiency comes only from you. May your name be glorified, O oh Lord, in this morning, as the word will be proclaimed. Father, give me utterance and clarity of mind and boldness to deliver what you have given me. And to my brothers and sisters, Father, I pray that our hearts will be a good land where your seed, the seed of your word, will be planted. And in due time, we'll, we will see the avarice that will come from it. We say that take all the glory today, O Lord, in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Okay, uh, today I have, uh, uh, oh, while preparing uh, the message, I was really thinking and praying also of what should I talk about. And I remember all the preaching that uh, the last series of Pastor Matthew and also the two uh, messages from Pastor Garrett. And I decided, because I have seen uh, a foundational uh, topics throughout all the teaching that they have preached, okay? For Pastor Matthew, and I would say that during my preaching, it was when he talked about being enthralled by, by, by Christ, being like uh, passionate by him. And when Pastor Garrett also came, and I see it as a foundation for the new phase of, our of, of this church life, when he talked about uh, the importance of us having faith and us coming to Zion. All this was inspired in my heart to talk about unity or the principle of unity, Okay. And if you will not remember anything that I'm going to say, I have put a phrase that you can take 
for, uh, from here or from the preaching, saying that our differences cannot be compared to what unites us, which is the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about this, that our differences cannot be compared uh, to what unites us as a church, which is the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. My idea this morning is to start uh, building also some foundation in uh, New Testament where really Apostle Paul explained the unity and then we will go into the application in Exodus chapter 17 from verse 8 to verse 16 which I think will give us some points for us as a church to act upon in this new season of our lives, okay? So, but before we start in the, in the just making an introduction about that, okay? Uh, when we talk about the principle of unity in uh, the Bible, I see it as uh, one of challenging of today in uh, the church overall, okay? Talking about unity is not easy, and you will agree with me on that. If you see the world around us, you will see that it is not easy to talk about unity. We have seen broken families, okay, where people simply uh, decide to leave their spouse because they are not feeling any nothing anymore. But there is a principle that they really put aside, which is the principle of the marriage. But because they exalt the ego, which is I, 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 they simply live and they break their families apart. What about churches? We have been seeing churches splitting, okay? The church that should be preaching about unity is like preaching disunity, Okay? And what about nations? Nations from high top, they are cutting relationship with our other nations. So it is not easy bringing this topic uh, to the church. But it, this should not be really something that we as a believer and children of God uh, should be surprised of. God in his love and God in his power, he that declares the end from the beginning, has given us a picture how the end times will be. And if you agree with me, I have listened to this many times, that we are living in end times. And how should the characteristics of humankind, of human beings, be in end time. Open with me Second Timothy chapter 3. And we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 5. Timothy, Second Timothy 3 from verse 1 to verse 5. Again, we are seeing and we are saying that it is difficult to talk about unity in these days. That's say the word of God. Is Paul saying to Timothy, 
Just follow me carefully. But understand these things, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unpleasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treasures, reckless, slowing with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. So Paul is trying to uh, like give some advice to Timothy and why he should do that for him to be prepared to face those times. And again, if we kind of see what is going on around us, we will agree that those characteristics that Paul is saying to Timothy is now there, is now here. Here, sometimes even inside the church, okay? But God, in his love again, and in his mercy, had provided a way out from this egocentric lifestyle by giving us commandments, laws, and principles through his word that if we choose to abide in these commandments and principles, we will experience a complete different life, a better life. Uh, called last uh, Friday in the benediction, he read from Second Peter, I believe, chapter 1. And see what the Bible says. God is in his divine power, has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It means that everything we need to live a godly life, God, in his sovereignty, has delivered already to us. Now see what Peter keeping saying. Through, I repeat, God, in his divine power, has granted us all things, not some things, but all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him talking about Jesus who called us and to his glory and excellence by which he has given to us precious and very great promises so that through them, through these promises, through these words, through them we may become partakers of divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. The solution for the church, for you and I, not to be counted among those that will reflect the characteristics that Timothy or Paul is saying to Timothy is one. 
choosing to abide in God's promises, in God's principles, okay? But let me repeat again that this is a choice. You and I, we can simply say, God, I don't want anything about your word, even being in the church. It doesn't matter if you come every Friday, if you pray, even be in the church. You can, by what or oh, the lifestyle is the li the life inside of you deny the power of the word that can transform you. This is what Paul said in the, in Timothy. He said, "Look, some people they will have appearance of godliness." But in reality, deep inside of their hearts, they will be denying the power of the gospel that is able to transform them. So pay attention to those things. I love how Pastor Matthew always used to put, because he was always centered and concerned to us or for us to check our hearts. Why? The kingdom of God. When we talk about the kingdom of God, we can say that the kingdom of God is the kingdom of the heart. In that message, when he preached about enthralled by God, he gave at the end some questions for us to think about it. And one of that was, am I growing? Am I reflecting the character of Christ? That is important for us as a church to think. But let's keep on. God has provided us a choice when it comes for us to live according to his principles. And among many principles of God in his Bible, how he put in his Bible, we are going to talk about the principle of unity. And whenever we talk about principles or laws, it, kind, it comes to our mind that, uh, oh, there it goes again, law again here, law again there. But we need to remember that Jesus Christ said, like, come unto me, those that are weary and uh, burdened, and you will find rest for your soul. Okay? And at the end, he said that, Oh, learn from me. Learn from me because I am humble and gentle in the heart. And you find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is his light. Let me say that following God's principle, and today we're going to talk about unity, is not difficult. See, the only thing we need to do is to say, God, here I am from the bottom of our hearts. And from then, everything else, he, he is the one that we work out in us. To the disciple, he said, come and follow me. And you will make you yourself uh, uh, like fishers of men. No, he said, I will make you. Fishers of, of men. So the power of transforming our lives, it is not in us, but it is in God. But we need to yield ourselves to him in order to give him the chance to transform our lives. 
and this morning is this that we want to uh, talk about. Again, introduction is a little bit long, but when we talk about the principles or laws, we need to understand also that just as there are laws that govern the physical world, there are also spiritual laws that govern our spiritual life, where God lives. And these spiritual laws or principles, for sure, are greater than physical laws. The Bible says, by faith we know that the universe was created by God's word, so that what is seen was made out of things that are unseen. Second point that we need to understand about principles is also that we cannot or we should not break uh, a principle or a law. Okay? What I want to say about that, for example, uh, we, we fly a lot, okay? But for a plane to really fly, there are some laws that govern the flight of the plane, okay? And a pilot or the people that have thought about the plane cannot say, no, 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 no. What is law the gravity? Law the gravity will not have an effect on me. So I will, I will ignore the, the law of gravity. For pilots, they know that it, it cannot happen because that law of gravity will make itself uh, shown by crashing the plane. Or just imagine a, a little two-year-old in a nine-story uh, uh, apartment. He is not aware of that. But if she or he jumps, what will, what will happen? She will fall. Because of what? Because of law of gravity. We cannot break any law. The law will always, or the principle will always break us. Third thing that we want to see is that if it happens like this in our uh, natural law, think about the principles or the spiritual laws in our lives. You cannot guess when you see a proud person. The Bible says, and it, this is a principle, that he himself resists the proud heart. So, Proverbs also is saying that uh, before a fall uh, manifests, there is a, a proud in the heart of people. So, when you see someone that is proud, you can assure for that that he is going to, to fall because it is a law, it is a principle. Okay, so God created both uh, spiritual and natural uh, laws. It is not man's idea. It exists with or without the man. Man has not a saying on them. And again, one of these laws is the law of unity. And I'm going to show you in book of Ephesians chapter 4, which is, uh, Paul teaching to the Ephesian church and we will understand that above all person God himself 
is interested for his church to become united, to become one. In the scripture reading that we made in this morning, what Jesus was praying, clearly we will see in that prayer several times. God make them one. God make them one as we are one. Paul then in the book of Ephesians, after from chapter 1 to chapter 3 presenting the plan of redemption, he speaks about the unity of the church. Let's read quickly from Ephesians 4, uh, chapter 4, uh, verses 1 to 6. The Bible says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner word of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Clearly, we, say, we see here that the motivation for Paul talking about unity is because there is only one God. There is only one spirit. Why it is important for us to understand this? Because unity, as Paul is saying, exists, unity in the church, I'm talking about true unity, is God's creation. It is not uh, a man uh, thing, okay? The unity of the church. If you see in the verse, in verse uh, 3, Paul is saying that we need to be eager to maintain, not to create, but to maintain the unity of the spirit. This it is uh, like uh, implies that the Holy Spirit is the one that created this unity that we are talking about. And we as a church, what we need to do is only to be eager to maintain that unity. How? He mentions that, okay? Like bearing one another with patience, okay? Like being humble, being uh, not be self-centered. This is what our, our uh, Paul is saying to the Ephesians. When we act according to what he is saying, then we will experience this unity that he's talking about. Another thing is in the second part that he's reading in verse, uh, from verse 11, and he's saying like this, and he gave, talking about God, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, to what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until 
we all attain what? The unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood, to measure, or to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and through by waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by the craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather speaking truth in love. This is another thing that we need to do as Christians to maintain that unity. Speaking truth in love. That we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we see here that the aim of Paul's teaching is for all the church to be one. But this oneness needs to reflect the characteristics of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are all going for us to reflect the characteristics of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what the Bible says, that our God is one God. If we as a church, we will reflect God's character, we need to reflect God's character also in or being united. And Jesus is saying that by this, the world will know that we belong to, to him. Okay? And now, after laying this foundation, I just want for us to see clearly in one of the stories in the Old Testament how then we can come to this unity and experience the benefit of unities. Of unity, sorry. And the story that we're going to read It is in the book of Exodus, chapter 17, okay? And we're going to see here how this principle of unity and also learn some aspects of unity uh, influence uh, the story that we're going to read, okay? First of all, let me give you the, the background or the context, okay? We know that after 400 years of captivity in uh, Egypt, the people of God, or God has sent one deliverer, which was Moses. And the story that we're going to see here is after they left Egypt and they were in their way to Mount Sinai to worship God. Just for uh, understanding uh, one thing as well, God has purposely made them to walk another path because he said uh, in uh, uh, chapter 13, if I'm not mistaken, verse 17, that if they would use the shorter way, they should find the Philistines and they will make a war against uh, Israel, they will repent and want to go back to Egypt. 
Therefore, God decided to take them through uh, the, the sea, uh, the Red Sea. But even on that way, they found the Amalekites. The Amalekites in the Bible are always people that were raising up against the Israelites. They were the first uh, people in that, in that land of Canaan that uh, fought against Israel. And this is the relate, or this is uh, the, the, the scripture that we're going to read right now from verse uh, 8 to verse 16 of chapter 17 of Exodus. That says the word of God. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose us men and go out and fight with Amalek tomorrow. With Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Ur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hand grew weary. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Ur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord, the hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So how then we can experience true unity and its benefit? We see here it is a, a, a battle scenario, okay? What we can learn from here that will help us to experience true unity and its benefit. First of all, an earnestly devoted and consistent prayer life. An earnestly devoted and cons consistent prayer life. Brothers and sisters, prayer it is not something that we should uh, uh, neglect as Christians. And if we want really to experience true unity as a church, as New Life Church, we need to reflect about our prayer life as individual 
his family, and also as a church. This true level, as individual, as family, and as a church. For what you can see from this story, the, it, it is a combat going on. Moses decided to go in the mountain, while in the valley, Joshua, with the army of Israel, they are fighting against Amalek. And you see, the Bible say, and uh, I don't see any other uh, explanation for that, rather than Moses, Aaron, and Ur, they went up to the mountain to pray. As they were praying, and the Bible say, as the, uh, Moses was like lifted the staff of God up, what happened in the battlefield? Joshua was prevailing. Joshua was winning. As Moses lowered the uh, staff of God in their hand, what's happened? Joshua was being defeated. A prayer life can give you like victories in every arena of your life. Even when is the unity of the church. See, we said at the beginning, we need to strive. We need to be eager to maintain the unity of the church. First thing that we need to consider is how we as a church, we are being engaged in the prayer life. How we as individual, how our prayer life is. Why it is important? Because as you go to prayer, you are allowing God to start working within you the characteristic of our Lord Jesus Christ. As you pray, like Pastor was saying, as you behold, you are transformed. This is the word of God. As you wait in God in prayer, you are being transformed in the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the image of our Lord Jesus Christ is God's image, which is also one God, oneness. So as we deliver, or as we uh, eager, earnestly eager to be in prayer as individual, as family, as a church, we will see that we will have victory against uh, Disunity, okay? Because disunity is Amalek fighting against the unity of the church. So it is not God's thing. It, disunity is not God's thing. It is the evil. It, it is evil thing. It is from the devil, okay? So God is saying, look, if you come into prayer, if you consider prayer, individual, uh, as a family, and as a church, you will gain this battle. And God is saying at the end, you saw that he makes sure that the Amalekites will be blotted out completely. And this will happen when Jesus will come back. But while here, we can live and experience this if we abide in the instruction that God is giving us. So, second point that we need to consider is a crucified life. A life that is marked 
by the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, whenever we exalt I, 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 it is impossible for us to have unity. For those that are married, you know that sometimes if you fight every time that you have reason, something you know that you are right, you know that you know that you know that you are right, but your spouse doesn't acknowledge that. If you insist on that, what do you think will happen? You will be fighting. You will be fighting. But when even you being right, you crucify, you die for your reason, you are upholding what? Unity. As a church also, we need to learn this. But this cannot be able if our eyes are turning or if we turn our eyes out of the cross of Calvary. Why am I saying that? What happened at the cross of Calvary? And just think that Jesus did what he did because of unity. The Bible says that he died in order for us to have peace with God. The Bible says that he died in order for us to be reconciled back to, to God. Tell me if this is not a principle of unity in demonstration. It is. Cross, the cross will always uh, reflect the unity. The final point of the cross will always, without a shadow of doubt, will always result in unity. But the point is that the cross is not attractive to us anymore, to anyone, including me. But thanks be unto God that we are born again. And if we choose, this is the point, if we choose to do that, saying, God, here I am, he will come and give us the ability and the power for us to experience that. Now you are asking, Pedro, but where we can see this cross in the life of, or in the story that we are reading? Come to me to verse... Uh, 11. Oh, let's go to verse 10. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with the Malachites while Moses, Aaron, and Ur went up to the top of hill. Uh, we see three characters in the mountain hill. Aaron, Ur, and Moses. Okay? But if I ask you, do you, or do you listen much about Ur in the Bible? Who was Ur in the Bible? Do we know who was Ur in the Bible? And we don't know much about him. We see the Bible talking about Moses, talking about Aaron. But Ur, we don't see it much. Okay? Church... 
whenever we want my name to be seen, okay, whenever I exalt myself, we will be always fighting against unity. Or, I understand because of this, that Ur, deeply inside of his heart, he said, look, it doesn't matter if they will talk about me, I will do my part to help my leader in prayer. If they will talk about me or not, it doesn't matter. I am selfless, I am nameless, I am done. I want to exalt the victory or the banner which is our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care if they will not talk about me. I am nameless as long as I do the will of God. This needs to be our attitude as a church as well. No matter if people will come and say and call is the one that teach me this. Oh, brother, well done. No matter. As long as you know that you did God's will. And in this scenario, what was God's will? First of all, both of them, Aaron and Ur, see unity. They had the same mindset by putting their leader in a stone. Because Moses was, first of all, standing with the staff of God in his hand. Okay? And he, the Bible said that he got tired. And he starts, like, put, oh, the, the arms was going down. Both of them, I believe, at the beginning, they were behind, just watching what Moses was doing. Both of them at the same time decide, okay, we need to do something. What they do, what they did, they took a stone, they put a stone, Moses sat on the stone, one came to one side and another to another side, upholding what? Moses' hand. Imagine that Ur had a problem with Aaron and saying, okay, do yourself, do alone. Do yourself alone. I don't have, no, no, my name will not be in the story. People will not f uh, think about Ur. Go yourself. Oh, you are Aaron. You are the, the high priest. Go yourself. Do your stuff. What will happen? The victory will not show up. The victory should not appear in the life of Israel. But their heart were, was or were one, even in the way they act. And here, I just want to open a bracket and say that they did it for their leader. Okay? They did it for their leader. They didn't say, Moses, you are the one that God talked to you. You do yourself. And as a church, we need really to consider uh, upholding our leaders. Okay? And I'm going to talk about it more at the end. But whenever you see people in front leading a church, a community, sometimes we think that it is easy. And we are only then like seeing and watching, and we don't do anything. First of all, see the scenario that the leaders are, which is a prayerful scenario, where Christ, which is the stone, 
that they put made able the leader to rest, to be comfortable, if I can say like this, to do the will of God. We as a church, we will be receiving Pastor Garrett, okay? In whatever we can, as much as we can, we need really to make him like fixing on doing God's will. How we can do that? Praying for them, supporting them in prayer, and also in every need that they, they have, they might have. Brothers and sisters, a crucified life will always result in unity. I want to remind you about a story in the Bible where Daniel and his three friends, Sadrach, Mezach, and Abednego, were in Babylon. This is Daniel, I believe, chapter 2. Okay? When they heard that the king was about to kill every wise man of Babylon because the king had a dream that he was not able to interpret, and he asked the magician of Babylon to give the, the, the dream and the interpretation, he could not, okay? He, uh, or they could not, and they said this is impossible. But when, uh, when, when, when Daniel list, or heard about that, he said to, to the king or to the king's uh, servant, just wait, we will pray, and God will give the answer. And that's what happened. The three uh, men, they up, uphold Daniel in that prayer. They crucified, they gave up their own life for that experience. They prayed with Daniel, not only with the mouth, but from their heart. They prayed with Daniel, and for sure, God gave them the interpretation, gave them the dream, and gave them also the interpretation of the dream. A crucified life will always result in unity. Second, oh, uh, second person in this story that you see a crucified life. It's easy to say Joshua obeyed, okay? But imagine someone is sending you to the battlefield and they say, look, I'm going to stay at home. I'm going to pray for you. What do you think about that person? Are you sending me to the open battlefield and you are staying home to pray? No, no, let's, shoot, let's, let's swap. You go, I'm going to pray. Because being in the battlefield is kind of, uh, you are more exposed according to our mindset, uh, to die, okay? I believe in the heart of Joshua, he said, even if I die, I don't care. I will be doing what? God's will. I believe on that. And this response for me is another example of a crucified life. Whenever God will talk to us, even through uh, the leader, okay, 
we need to have a heart that is an obedient heart. The same heart that our Lord Jesus Christ has. I'm not saying that we are going to put ourselves in danger. No, no, not this that I'm saying. But I'm saying that whenever I have to decide about my protection, my security to the kingdom of God, if I need to compare what will uh, weight more in my decision, it must be the kingdom of God was not this same thing that our Lord Jesus Christ did? Do you think he was like smiling in the cross? He himself said, Father, if it is, if it is possible, please leave this cup out of my way. Take this cup. He didn't want like, okay, I'm going. It was difficult, but there was a higher will. He said, not, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done in my life. We need to have this sacrificial heart if we want to see the unity in the church over, overall or even in New Life Church. Third point and lastly, which is also in Joshua life, don't be an spectator. Engage in the battle. We are battling against spiritual realms that are coming to bring confusion and disunity among the church. If you say that, okay, I'm going only there to stare if uh, a, 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 a Something happens, I have my way out, I know where to go, this is my life. This is not the attitude that all the characters that we are seeing in this story had. Each one of them had a role to play in that battle, okay? And remember that where we read in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is saying that, all of us join together, if each one will do his part, growth will come to the body of Christ. So if a hand in a body is not working, all body will suffer that. All body will feel that. Brothers and sisters, you have something to add on in this body. You have a gift that God has given you the time that you are here in Abu Dhabi to serve this body. Engage. I know how life in Abu Dhabi is with our jobs and uh, uh, the overwhelmed working hours, but even so, you have something that God has given you for you to serve. Listen, as you come and you engage like Joshua did, engaging in the battle, like Ur did, engaging in the battle, the victory 
or the growth will come in our lives. We will experience that. At the end, we can ask, who won this battle? Who won this battle? I can say that unity won this battle. You can name Moses, but without Aaron and Ur, Moses could not be praying until the sunset. You can say Joshua because he was there in the battlefield. But without the prayer that the leaders was doing or were doing, Joshua could not, could not uh, win the Amalekites. Therefore, who owns the battle? I can say the one God that we are servant and that Jesus said, Father, they in me as I am in you. This one God has won the battle. This revelation God gave to Moses, like in the last, in the last, uh, in verse uh, 15 and 16. The Bible says that after seeing what God did, Moses built an altar and called that place or that altar uh, the Lord is my banner Giovanni C that sorry that what in uh, Hebrew you say Giovanni C the Lord is oh the Lord is my banner the Lord is my victory okay we can see that this one God was the one that got them uh, to the victory against the Amalekites. If we understand that God is one, if we understand that we need as a church to reflect God's characters, which include oneness, we will not but fight for the unity of the uh, church of God, including New Life Church. How? By praying. How? By accepting and embracing a life that is marked by the cross of cavalry. How? By engaging in the battle. May God bless you. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we adore you. We understand this morning, O oh Lord, that you are one and there is no division in you. And uh, if we want as a church to experience the benefits and to walk in oneness, we need also to fight. We need also to be eager to maintain the unity of the church. Father, we pray that in the power of your Holy Spirit, you may accomplish that in us. Because you said it is not by might, not by power, but it is by your Spirit. For you alone will be all the glory, all the power, and all adoration. We pray this in our Lord Jesus Christ's name.
Amen.